There was a knock one morning, a man was standing at my door. He said, hello, I'm from Halliburton, have you heard of us before? We'd like to lease your backyard to drill for natural gas. It's called hydraulic fracturing, and it is the very past for a clean energy future above the Marcella Stone. Plus, we'll give you lots of money and a new mobile phone. I said, you are a corporate crook. I don't believe the things you tell, and you can drive right off my property and then go straight to hell. No fracking way. No fracking way, I don't trust corporate salesmen, whatever they may say. No fracking way, no fracking way, no fracking way. No fracking way, no fracking way. Greetings and welcome to Frack You Very Much, a fracking terrible podcast. You can find Frack You Very Much at frackyouverymuch.com. You can also follow on Twitter at FYVM Show. This episode, we are going to dive into section number two of the Compendium of Scientific, Medical, and Media Findings Demonstrating Risks and Harms of Fracking, 6th edition, June 2019. You can go back and check out part one on an earlier episode. We're going to start here on page 18 with an introduction to fracking. Since the end of the 20th century, horizontal drilling has been combined with high-volume hydraulic fracturing to create a novel approach to extracting dispersed oil and natural gas, primarily from shale bedrock, that would otherwise not flow to the surface. Typically, these unconventional extraction methods, collectively known as fracking, take place on a clustered multi-well pads where individual well bores extend vertically down into the shale formation and then turn horizontally, tunneling through the shale in various directions. These lateral tunnels can extend as far as two miles underground. To liberate the gas, methane, or oil trapped inside the shale, many small explosive charges, followed by high volumes of pressurized fluid, are sent into the shale layer to expand and extend its many naturally occurring cracks, bedding planes, and faults. Silica sand grains or sometimes ceramic beads are carried by the pressurized fluid into these spaces and remain there after the pressure is released, acting to prop open these now widened fissures in the shale and allowing the methane or oil trapped within to flow up to the well. Fracking fluid consists of millions of gallons of fresh water to which is added a sequence of chemicals that include biocides, lubricants, gelling agents, anti-scaling, and anti-corrosion agents. Some of the water used to frack wells remains trapped within the fractured zone and as such is permanently removed from the hydrologic cycle. The remainder travels back to the surface. This flowback fluid contains not only the original chemical additives, many of which are toxic, but also harmful substances carried up from the shale zone which often include brine, 
heavy metals, and radioactive elements. Once in production, a fracked well continues to generate liquid throughout its lifetime. This produced water, which contains many of the same toxic substances as flowback fluid, is a second component of fracking waste, and it also requires containment and disposal. In addition, fracking waste includes solid drilling cuttings, solid drilling cuttings, which are typically laced with various chemical substances used to aid the drilling process. These cuttings, which can also contain radioactive elements, are typically disposed in municipal waste landfills. Fracking waste is exempt from federal hazardous waste regulations that would otherwise prohibit this practice. Downstream elements of fracking infrastructure, which lie between the wellhead and the point of combustion, include processing plants, transportation infrastructure such as pipelines and compressor stations, distribution lines, storage facilities, gas-fired power plants, and LNG liquefaction plants and export terminals. Upstream elements include silica sand mining operations and water withdrawal operations. As fracking operations in the United States have increased in frequency, size, and intensity, and as the transport of extracted materials has expanded, a significant body of evidence has emerged to demonstrate that these activities are dangerous to people and their communities in ways that are difficult and may pr prove impossible to mitigate. Risks include adverse impacts on water, air, agriculture, public health and safety, property values, climate stability, and economic vitality, as well as earthquakes. Researching these complex, large-scale industrialized activities and the ancillary infrastructure that supports them takes time and has been hindered by institutional secrecy. Nonetheless, research is gradually catching up to the last decade's surge in fracking from shale. A growing body of peer-reviewed studies, accident reports, and investigative articles has detailed specific quantifiable evidence of harm and has revealed fundamental problems with the entire life cycle of operations associated with unconventional drilling, fracking, and fracked gas infrastructure. Industry studies as well as independent analysis indicate inherent engineering problems including uncontrolled and unpredictable fracturing, induced seismicity, extensive methane leakage, and well casing and cement failures that cannot be prevented with currently available materials and technologies. Fracking-related problems also originate from sources independent of engineering. These include habitat destruction, inadequate solutions for wastewater disposal, the presence of abandoned wells or vertical fault lines that can serve as pathways for fluid migration into aquifers, and standard operating industry norms, venting, flaring, blowdowns, that contribute to methane releases and air pollution. Earlier scientific predictions are now bolstered by extensive empirical data confirming that the public health risks from unconventional gas and oil extraction are real, the range of adverse environmental impacts wide, and the negative economic consequences considerable. 
Our examination of the peer-reviewed medical, public health, biological, earth sciences, and engineering literature uncovered no evidence that fracking can be practiced in a manner that does not threaten human health. Despite this expanding body of knowledge, industry secrecy continues to thwart scientific inquiry, leaving many potential problems, especially cumulative long-term risks, unidentified, unmonitored, and largely unexplored. This problem is compounded by non-disclosure agreements, sealed court, court records, and legal settlements that prevent families and their doctors from discussing injuries and illnesses that result from fracking and frac-related operations. Consequently, no quantitative and comprehensive inventory of human hazards yet exists. The long-entrenched problem of secrecy shows no signs of resolving. The identity of chemicals used in fracking fluids remains proprietary and lies beyond the reach of federal right-to-know legislation that governs other industries. The nation's largest public database on chemicals used in fracking operations, Frac Focus, operates on a voluntary basis. And while 23 states have adopted it to serve as a de facto chemical disclosure registry, its data has, over time, become increasingly less, rather than more, comprehensive and transparent. As documented in a 2016 study by a Harvard University team, rates of withheld information and claims of trade secrecy have increased since Frac Focus was first launched in, launched in 2011. The incomplete picture, picture created by lack of transparency in regard to chemicals used, produced, emitted, or created during the drilling and fracking process complicates the task of identifying potential hazards and exposure pathways. Nevertheless, the evidence to date indicates that fracking operations pose severe threats to health, both from water contamination and from air pollution. In the United States, more than 2 billion gallons of water and fracking fluids are injected daily under high pressure into the earth for the purpose of enabling oil and gas extraction via fracking or, after the fracking is finished, to flush the extracted wastewater down any of the more than 187,000 disposal wells across the country that accept oil and gas waste. All of that 2 billion daily gallons of fluid is toxic, and the wells that ferry it past, past through our nation's groundwater aquifers on their way to the deep geological strata below, where the injection of fracking waste demonstrably raises the risk for earthquakes. In the air around drilling and fracking operations and their attendant infrastructure, Researchers have measured strikingly high levels of toxic pollutants, including the potential carcinogen benzene and the chemical precursors of ground-level ozone, smog. In some cases, concentrations of fracking-related air pollutants in communities where people live and work exceed federal safety standards. Research shows that air emissions from fracking can drift and pollute the air hundreds of miles downwind. About one-third of the natural gas inventory in the United States is used to generate electricity, and, enabled by fracking, 
Natural gas has, as of 2016, exceeded coal as the nation's leading source of electricity. With hydraulically fractured wells now producing 70% of U.S. natural gas and half of U.S. crude oil, and with hydraulic fracturing used in 95% of new wells, the, quote, unconventional techniques of fracking can no longer be considered atypical, nor can the question of their public health risks be considered inconsequential. Drilling and fracking operations and their ancillary infrastructure have profoundly altered Earth's landscape. The flare stacks and artificial lights from major shale plays, major shale plays are visible from space, as is the upward buckling of Earth's surface that is caused by the high pressure injection of fracking wastewater into disposal wells. The dramatic increase in fracking over the last decade in the United States has pushed oil and gas extraction operations into heavily populated areas. In the Marcellus Shale alone, which underlies much of the mid-Atlantic United States, 15,939 wells were drilled and fracked between 2008 and 2018. More than 11,000 of these wells are in Pennsylvania. At least 6% of the U.S. population, 17.6 million Americans, now live within a mile of an active oil or gas well, a number that includes 1.4 million young children and 1.1 million elderly people. About 8.6 million people are served by a drinking water source that is located within a mile from an unconventional well. Understanding the potential for exposure and accompanying adverse impacts is a public health necessity. Emerging trends. <clears throat> One, regulations are simply not capable of preventing harm. Studies reveal inherent problems in the natural gas and oil extraction process, such as well integrity failures caused by aging or the pressures of fracking itself and in the waste disposal process. These issues lead to water contamination, greenhouse gas emissions, air pollution with carcinogens, and other toxic chemicals, earthquakes, and a range of environmental and other stressors inflicted on communities. Some of fracking's many component parts, which include the subterranean geological landscape itself, are simply not controllable. Compounding the innate unpredictability of the fracking process, the number of wells and their attendant infrastructure continue to proliferate, creating burgeoning cumulative impacts, and the size of individual wells keep growing, with horizontal portions of a single well now extending as far as two miles or more underground. Fluid injections, once typically three to five million gallons per fracked well, now can easily reach 10 to 20 million gallons per well. The injection of ever-increasing volumes of fluids into an ever-increasing number of wells creates significant deformations in the shale. These are translated upwards a mile or more to the surface. Along the way, these pressure bulbs can impact in unpredictable ways faults and fissures in the overlying rock strata, including strata that intersect freshwater aquifers. Such pressure bulbs may mobilize contaminants left over from previous drilling and mining activities. No set of regulations can obviate these potential impacts 
to groundwater. No set of regulations can eliminate earthquake risks. In spite of growing knowledge about the mechanics of how fracking in the underground disposal of fracking waste trigger earthquakes via activation of faults, no model can predict where or when earthquakes will occur or how powerful they will be. New research demonstrates that induced earthquakes can occur many miles from fracking sites. Regulations cannot prevent air pollution. The state of California determined that fracking can have, quote, significant and unavoidable impacts on air quality, including driving pollutants to levels that violate air quality standards. In northeastern Colorado, ambient levels of atmospheric hydrocarbons have continued to increase even with stricter emissions standards. Tighter state regulations and tougher enforcement, including unannounced visits by state health inspectors equipped with infrared cameras, have reduced leaking methane and toxic vapors at individual well sites. But total air emissions continue to rise as the total number of wells continues to increase. As this writing, there are 53,000 active oil and gas wells in Colorado. Leakage rates among the active wells are widely variable. 4% of wells nationwide are responsible for fully half of all methane emissions from drilling and fracking related activities. Predicting which wells will become, quote, super emitters is not possible. According to a 2016 survey of 8,000 wells using helicopters and infrared cameras, Further, much of this leakage is engineered into the routine operation of fracking extraction, processing, and transport infrastructure, as when vapors are vented through release valves in order to regulate pressure. Long after they are decommissioned, well sites continue to leak in ways that are not always fixable. Abandoned wells are a significant source of methane leakage into the atmosphere and based on findings from New York and Pennsylvania, may exceed cumulative total leakage from oil and gas wells currently in production. Plugging abandoned wells does not always reduce methane emission and cement plugs themselves deteriorate over time. Further, countless abandoned wells are unmapped in their locations unknown. Many have no apparent owner. Across the nation, there are as many as 3 million abandoned wells. Pennsylvania alone is home to 200,000 to 750,000 abandoned wells, most of which are not charted or even visible on the surface. No state or federal agency routinely monitors methane leakage from abandoned wells. In Alberta, Canada, there are roughly 90,000 inactive wells in need of plugging, a number that is expected to double in the next 11 years. The Alberta Energy Regulator has estimated that the time required to plug and prepare 180,000 wells for cleanup and reclamation is 126 years. Another 77,000 wells in Alberta are plugged, but not yet reclaimed. Number two, fracking and natural gas are incompatible with climate solutions. On the grounds that natural gas emits when combusted only 53% of the carbon dioxide emitted by coal, early promoters of fracking argued that natural gas could serve as a bridge fuel while renewable energy sources ramp up. 
Scientific evidence now disproves these claims and shows the natural gas is as damaging to the climate as coal and may be worse. Natural gas is 85 to 95 percent methane, a short-lived but much more potent greenhouse gas than formerly appreciated. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change estimates that over a 20-year time frame, longer than the dozen years remaining to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius, methane can, pound for pound, trap 86 times more heat than carbon dioxide. Real-world methane leakage rates from drilling and fracking operations greatly exceed earlier estimates. Methane escapes into the atmosphere from all parts of the extraction, processing, and distribution system, all the way up to the burner tip. In the heavily drilled Barnett Shale of northeastern Texas, methane emissions were shown to be 50% higher than the EPA had estimated. Fracking operations and associated infrastructure contributed 71-85% to 85% of the methane emissions in the region. A 2018 analysis of methane leaks from the U.S. oil and gas supply chain as a whole found leakage rates were 60% higher than reported by the EPA. And a 2019 study in southwestern Pennsylvania found shale gas emissions that were underreported by a factor of 5 when compared to EPA estimates. Much of the methane emitted from drilling and fracking activities and associated infrastructure originates not from accidental leaks, but from purposeful losses that are inherent to the design of the industry's machinery or to normal operating use and are therefore not possible to mitigate. Methane is vented into the atmosphere during routine maintenance on compressor stations and pipelines to create evaporative cooling for LNG storage and transport during the flowback period after a well is fracked and as an emergency procedure to control pressures. Inactive abandoned wells are also significant methane emitters, methane leakage at levels now being documented using multiple approaches in measurement and modeling negates previous hypothesized benefits from burning methane instead of coal in most existing power plants. Rising methane levels in the atmosphere make increasingly difficult the, urge, the urgent task of limiting global warming to below levels called for in the Paris Agreement, which was based on older presumptions that global methane levels had plateaued. Instead, methane levels began to rise in 2007 and then shot up sharply in 2014. As of this writing, the cause of this ongoing methane surge is a subject of scientific debate. One hypothesis holds fossil fuel sources as a major driver. Another attributes the increase to biogenic sources, especially ruminant livestock. A third possibility is that the rising global temperatures may be triggering methane release from wetlands, particularly in the southern tropics. Alternatively, the atmosphere's ability to break methane molecules apart may have become impaired, slowing the natural decay rate of methane. The fossil fuel hypothesis is supported by a major 2017 study led by NASA researchers using satellite measurements and isotopic analysis that can distinguish methane produced by microbes from methane emissions arising from oil and gas extraction. Building on this research in a forthcoming study, Cornell University Earth System science, scientist Robert Howarth 
used isotopic analysis to identify shale gas and oil extraction as the source of at least one-third of total methane emissions, showing that the North American fracking boom is globally important in the current rise in global methane levels and, quote, may well be the leading cause of the increased flux. Climate researcher Ewan Nesbitt, who has called for a renewed emphasis on reducing methane emissions to combat climate change, notes that whatever the relative contribution of its various sources, fossil fuel extraction represents a powerful lever for intervention. Quote, if the increased methane burden is driven by increased emissions from natural sources, and if this is a climate feedback, the warming feeding the warming, then there is urgency to reduce anthropogenic emissions, which we can control. Reducing methane emissions from fossil fuels is the highest priority because they are relatively large and, quote, thus offer attractive targets for rapid reduction, which are essential if the Paris Agreement aims are to be attained. Number three, fracking and the disposal of fracking waste threaten drinking water. Cases of drinking water sources contaminated by drilling and fracking activities or by associated waste disposal are proven. Contamination occurs through three confirmed pathways. Spills, discharge of fracking waste into rivers and streams, and underground migration of chemicals including gas into drinking water wells. Methane and fracking-related contaminants can reach drinking water sources through cracks in well casings, through spaces between the casings and the well bore, through naturally occurring fractures and fissures connecting shale layers with aquifers, and through abandoned wells. Methane migration into drinking water aquifers can change water chemistry in ways that mobilize metals or release hydrogen sulfide. Researchers working in Texas found 19 different fracking-related contaminants, including cancer-causing benzene, in hundreds of drinking water samples collected from the aquifer overlying the heavily drilled Barnet Shale, thereby documenting widespread water contamination. In Pennsylvania, a solvent used in fracking fluid was found in drinking water wells near, drinking, near drilling and fracking operations known to have well casing problems. In California, state regulators admitted that they had mistakenly allowed oil companies to inject drilling wastewater into aquifers containing clean, potable water. A 2017 study found that fracking wastewater discharged into rivers and streams through treatment plants created dozens of brominated and iodinated disinfection byproducts that are particularly toxic and, quote, raise concerns regarding human health. Fracking also threatens drinking water supplies through water depletion, especially in arid regions. According to a 2019 report, the volume of water used for fracking U.S. oil wells has more than doubled since 2016. Oil and gas operations in the arid Permian Basin used eight times more water for fracking in 2018 as they did in 2011 threatening groundwater supplies. In Arkansas, researchers found that water withdrawals for fracking operations deplete streams used for drinking water and recreation. 
with increasing volumes of wastewater now exceeding the storage capacity for underground injection wells and with underground injection linked to earthquake risks. Texas, Colorado, and New Mexico are now petitioning the EPA to allow the release of fracking wastewater into rivers and streams and to allow its use for irrigation and watering livestock. These practices further imperil drinking water sources. The trend towards mega-fracking with longer and more extensive horizontal wellbores per well pad, coupled with the ongoing proliferation in the number of wells, has pushed the demand for water use in fracking operations ever higher, exacerbating both the problem of drinking water depletion and the problem of how to dispose of ever-increasing amounts of toxic fracking wastewater. A 2018 study found that water use for U.S. fracking operations increased by 770% per well between 2011 and 2016, while the amount of wastewater generated increased by 1,440%. As we went to press, a new study in Pennsylvania shows that of the wastewater that remains in state, 52% is reused in additional extraction operations, a practice that further concentrates chemical contaminants, including radioactive substances. The final destination for 35% of the total volume of liquid, oil, and gas waste generated in Pennsylvania from 1991 to 2017 is unknown because of gaps in reporting systems. Number four. Drilling and fracking contribute to toxic air pollution and ground-level ozone at levels known to have health impacts. More than 200 airborne chemical contaminants have been detected near drilling and fracking sites. Of these, 61 are classified as hazardous air pollutants, including carcinogens. 26 are endocrine-disrupting compounds that have been linked to reproductive, developmental, and neurological damage. Drilling and fracking operations emit fine particles and vapors that combine to create ground-level ozone. Exposure to these pollutants is known to cause premature death, exacerbate asthma, and contribute to poor birth outcomes and increased rates of hospitalization and emergency room visits. Of the lower 48 states, six states, Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, North Dakota, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania, produce nearly 70% of the nation's natural gas and over 74% of the onshore crude oil. These six states experience the highest levels of ground-level ozone and find particulate pollution attributable to oil and gas extraction activities. Volatile organic compounds, VOCs, from drilling and fracking operations, together with nitrogen oxides, are responsible for 17% of locally produced ozone in Colorado's heavenly, heavily drilled front range. Colorado has exceeded federal ozone limits for the past decade, a period that corresponds to a boom in oil and gas drilling. Air pollution near drilling and fracking operations is high enough in some Colorado communities to raise cancer risks, according to a 2018 study. Living near drilling and fracking operations significantly increases asthma attacks for residents of Pennsylvania. Those living near active gas wells are 1.5 to 4 times more likely to suffer from asthma attacks 
than those living farther away, with the closest group having the highest risk. In California, fracking occurs disproportionately in areas already suffering from serious air quality problems and can drive ozone and other federally regulated air pollutants to levels that violate air quality standards. This increased air pollution and smog formation poses a serious risk to all those already suffering from respiratory issues, such as children with asthma. With an average of 203 high ozone days a year, intensely fracked Kern County, California, is the fifth most ozone-polluted county in the nation, according to the American Lung Association. Several studies have documented a sharp uptick in atmospheric ethane, a gas that co-occurs with methane and whose presence is attributable, attributable to emissions from oil and gas wells. This trend reverses a previous decades-long decline. Ethane is a potent precursor to ground-level ozone. The United States leads the world in the number of drill site flaring operations. Flares are used to control pressure, but more frequently to burn off natural gas as waste during oil drilling in places that lack infrastructure for gas capture and transport. The ongoing boom in domestic oil production enabled by fracking has caused natural gas flaring to proliferate. Emissions from flare stacks contribute to ozone creation and include several carcinogens, notably benzene and formaldehyde. Flaring also releases carbon monoxide, soot, and toxic heavy metals. In 2016, the EPA acknowledged that it had dramatically underestimated health-damaging air pollutants from flaring operations. A 2017 study of plume samples from, glass, from gas flares in North Dakota found that incomplete combustion from flaring is responsible for 20% of the total emissions of methane and ethane from the Bakken shale fields, more than double the expected value. Results of a 2019 study of flaring in the Eagle Ford shale region of Texas suggest that flaring may be a significant environmental exposure in counties where flare stacks are concentrated. Number five, public health problems associated with drilling and fracking include poor birth outcomes, reproductive and respiratory impacts, and cancer risks. Poor pregnancy outcomes and exacerbation of asthma have been linked to fracking activities in multiple studies in multiple locations using a variety of methodologies. Studies of mothers living near oil and gas extraction operations consistently find impairments to infant health, including elevated risk for low birth weight and preterm birth. A 2017 study that examined birth certificates for all 1.1 million infants born in Pennsylvania between 2004 and 2013 found indicators of poorer infant health and significantly lower birth weights among babies born to mothers living near fracking sites. A 2015 Pennsylvania study found a 40% increase in the risk of preterm birth among infants born to mothers who lived nearby active drilling and fracking sites, while a 2014 Colorado study found elevated incidence of neural tube defects and congenital heart defects. New studies in Texas and Colorado likewise found associations with infant deaths, high-risk pregnancies, and low birth weight. 
a 2017 pilot study in British Columbia found elevated levels of muconic acid, a marker of benzene exposure, in the urine of pregnant women living near fracking sites. As we went to press, a new pilot study reported elevated levels of barium and strontium in urine and hair samples of indigenous women living in an area of intense fracking activity in northeastern British Columbia. These trace metals known to be released during hydraulic fracturing are known developmental toxicants. An emerging body of evidence from both human and animal studies shows harm to fertility and reproductive success from exposure to oil and gas operations, at least some of which may be linked to the dozens of known endocrine-disrupting chemicals used in hydraulic fracturing. Other documented adverse health indicators among residents living near drilling and fracking operations variously include exacerbation of asthma, as well as increased rates of hospitali hospitalization, ambulance runs, emergency room visits, self-reported respiratory problems and rashes, motor vehicle fatalities, trauma, drug abuse, and gonorrhea. Pennsylvania residents with the highest exposure to active fracked gas wells were nearly twice as likely to experience a combination of migraine headaches, chronic nasal and sinus symptoms, and severe fatigue. 2017 Colorado study found higher rates of leukemia among children and young adults living in areas dense with oil and gas wells, while a Yale University research team reported that carcinogens involved in fracking operations had the potential to contaminate both air and water in nearby communities in ways that may increase the risk of childhood leukemia. The Yale team identified 55 known or possible carcinogens that are known to be used in fracking operations and that may be released into the air and water. Of these, 20 are linked to leukemia or lymphoma. As we went to press, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette documented 27 cases of Ewing's sarcoma, a rare bone cancer that tends to strike young people, in four counties in southwestern Pennsylvania that are at the center of the Marcellus Shale fracking boom. Six cases occurred in the same school district. The typical rate is 250 cases of Ewing's sarcoma per year in the United States as a whole. The cancer has no known cause. There are also high numbers of other childhood cancers in the region, which is home to several polluting legacy industries. The Pennsylvania Department of Health reported, quote, no conclusive findings of a cancer cluster in the Cannon-McMillan School District in Washington County, but as additional cases have come to light, calls for more comprehensive investigations are ongoing. Number six, occupational health and safety risks for workers are severe and include both physical and chemical hazards. Drilling and fracking operations are exempt from federal occupational safety and health administration standards designed to prevent catastrophic releases of toxic, flammable, or explosive chemicals in workplaces. They are also exempt from OSHA rules written for the construction industry designed to prevent falls and other accidents on the job. Although announced by the agency as forthcoming in 1983, 
Federal safety regulations for the oil and gas industry have never materialized. Instead, inspectors can only apply the, quote, general duty clause, which is widely recognized as grossly inadequate for an industry with unique hazards and a fatality rate far above the national average. Fatality rate data for the oil and gas industry are limited, but available data in the seven years leading up to 2015 show fatality rates in oil and gas extraction that are four to seven times the national fatality rate. In 2017, the most recent year for which data are available, 81 oil and gas extraction workers died on the job, accounting for 72% of the fatal work injuries in the mining sector, which overall has a fatality rate nearly four times the national average. Studies in specific states, as well as some national studies, have provided additional details on regional rates and circumstances of injuries and deaths. Fatality rates among workers in the oil and gas extraction sector in North Dakota were seven times the national fatality rates in this industry, which itself has more deaths from fires and explosions than any other private industry. An increase in workplace deaths likewise accompanied the initial fracking boom period in West Virginia. Between 2011 and 2016, at least 60 workers at oil and gas drilling sites in Oklahoma were killed on the job. In January 2018, a natural gas rig exploded in southeastern Oklahoma, killing five workers when natural gas exploded during the drilling process. A, quote, factual update issued in August 2018 as part of an ongoing investigation by the U.S. Chemical Safety Board, CSB determined that a piece of safety equipment was unable to fully close on the day of the accident and that other safety corners had been cut. As we went to press, the CSB released the final report on the accident, emphasizing that, in fact, two preventive barriers designed to prevent uncontrolled gas blowouts had failed as a consequence of significant lapses in safety protocols. Warning alarms did not sound. All five workers who died were trapped inside the driller's cabin when the fire blocked both exit doors. This problem inherent to the design of the cabin is not exceptional. The CSB investigation found that, quote, there is no guidance to ensure that an emergency evacuation option is present on board these rigs or can protect workers in the driller's cabin from fire hazards. Pipeline construction workers also suffer elevated rates of injuries and fatalities, dying on the job 3.5 times more than workers in other industries. Altogether, according to a 2018 investigation, 1,566 U.S. workers in the oil and gas drilling industry died from on-the-job injuries in the decade between 2008 and 2017. A University of Tennessee study assessed the occupational inhalation risks from the hazardous and carcinogenic air pollutants emitted from various sources around fracking wells and found that chemical storage tanks presented the highest cancer risk. Benzene has been detected in the urine of well pad workers in Colorado and Wyoming. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health named oil and gas extraction industry workers among those at risk for silicosis, an incurable lung disease caused by exposure to silica dust from the silica sand that is used extensively in fracking operations. 
So that brings us to page 29. That wraps up item number six. Item number seven, we will begin with next time as a little sneak peek. Item seven is earthquakes are a proven consequence of both fracking and the underground injection of fracking waste. So a little dive into how earthquakes are caused by oil and gas drilling and fracking in particular and more we will have next episode so thank you very much for joining once again this was section two of the compendium of scientific medical and media findings demonstrating risks and harms of fracking unconventional gas and oil extraction this is the sixth edition published in June 2019, and this document is published by the Concerned Health Professionals of New York and Physicians for Social Responsibility. So that wraps up this episode of Frack You Very Much. Remember, you can check out all the back episodes, including this episode, at frackyouverymuch.com. You can follow on Twitter at FYVM Show. And you can find our intro song and the same song we're going to play here again at the exit from the album Big Red Sessions by David Rovix. Our intro is only an excerpt of the entire song, and that song is called No Fracking Way. Thanks for listening. There was a knock one morning, a man was standing at my door. He said, hello, I'm from Halliburton, have you heard of us before? We'd like to lease your backyard to drill for natural gas. It's called hydraulic fracturing, and it is the very pass for a clean energy future above the Marcellus Stone. Plus, we'll give you lots of money and a new mobile phone. I said, you are a corporate crook. I don't believe the things you tell. And you can drive right off my property and then go straight to hell. No fracking way. No fracking way, I don't trust corporate salesmen, whatever they may say. No fracking way, no fracking way, no fracking way. No fracking way, no fracking way.